0: From the Cox Media Group studios, this is Sunday Supper, Southern Kitchen's podcast. I am Associate Editor Mike Jordan.
1: I'm Kate Williams, also an Associate Editor. And I'm Ashley Twist Cole, Editor in Chief. Welcome back to another episode of Sunday Supper, where you will laugh, learn, and work up an appetite.
0: Welcome to Sunday Supper. Yes, welcome to Sunday Supper. Welcome to Sunday Supper. We're here, we're here. I was
1: not here last week. I'm happy to be back. You're here. You're here again. We love to have (laughs) Ashley here
0: because we're kind of afraid of what happens when (laughs) Ashley's not here and doing things. I'm your host Mike Jordan. We know that this is Ashley Twist Cole. That is Kate Williams, correct? Hi. Yes, yes. and uh, <laughs> you all are joining us for our Virginia Willis y'all episode. Uh, y'all, you will <laughs> never forget who's here on the Virginia Willis. Uh, you'll never, you'll never think who we have. Who do we have? <laughs> there you go. It's me. It's Virginia Willis. Glad to be y'all. here. Y'all, yes, <laughs> absolutely. Award-winning chef, cookbook author, Southern food authority. She's here today to talk to us about her new book, Secrets of the Southern Table very Vanna beautiful, White It this. is lovely. Yes. yes, a food lovers tour of the global south. Get it right. And she's going to share some valuable cooking and recipe development secrets for some of you home chefs out there, and we're going to talk about all kind of other stuff, y'all. We're <laughs> going to say y'all. Yes, y'all. We yes. yes, we are. Yes, we are. Our show today is brought to you by Kohler. At Kohler, you'll find the Whitehaven apron front sink, which features a large single basin that accommodates large pots and pans while the sloped bottom helps with draining and cleanup. Crafted from enameled cast iron, this sink resists chipping, cracking, or burning for years of beauty and reliable performance. Folks (laughs) who don't know the y'all of Virginia Willis, you know, y'all out there who don't know her, let's talk about your background and how you became the person that you are that can put out these amazing books and just do so many wonderful things in the kitchen to help people.
2: Well, gosh, thank you so much. No Um, pressure. No pressure. No pressure. Um, I've been cooking since I was a little girl. There are pictures of me making biscuits with my grandmother when I was three years old, and that's, you know, not not made up. Um, I've always loved to cook. Um, My mom is a great cook. Hey, mama. Mama. Um, She's watching. Um, My mother's a great cook. You know, I was the the kid that was taking like leftover crepe champignon and roulade poulet and all this to school. Mm. You know, when you're a kid. when You you, (laughs) You know, I wanted like a bologna sandwich, but uh, no, it's okay. It's all good. Um, So, and I also grew up in Louisiana, so I was exposed to Jambalaya and etouffee and all those classic Creole dishes, mm-hmm. um, and I've just always loved to cook. And, and then the, the key, what sort of twisted it into me becoming a professional, was my first job cooking um, was as an apprentice with Natalie Dupree, who of course used to live here in Atlanta and mm-hmm. one is, of Mike's
1: favorite books.
0: And, I, yeah, I Natalie Dupree's <laughs> you know, book. And yeah. She's so wonderful to me. She's yes. she's awesome. Yeah. She's a
2: dear friend and mentor and. Um, I went to her and apprenticed on one of her TV shows for a short period of time and then afterwards asked if I could come and apprentice with her so I worked with her for a year um, and learned and the way I like to describe it is Natalie took me sort of out of my mom's kitchen and uh-huh. they started exposing me to classic French cooking and uh-huh. how to make it and uh, and then that just went on from there.
0: Was it, I have to ask, was it an easy sell to get her to uh kind of mentor you or did she take a little convincing or was kind of like, you know, come back next week kid kind of thing? <laughs> no,
2: I mean, no, she, I, I'm a hard worker, right? I mean, I'm I'm proud of being a hard worker and uh, I was, I felt like I had won the jackpot, yeah. you know, getting to go and work for free, whatever. I was getting this amazing education, mm-hmm. Um, and and washing a lot of dishes. <laughs> a lot of dishes. That's and like so, the Mr. Miyagi yeah. right. like, yeah. right. cooking right. analogy. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. Like, it's uh yeah. So um, you know, so if you if you do if you show up and do you do a good job, you get to come back. Yeah. Right? I mean that's pretty much with anything. That's great, yeah. yeah. Yeah.
1: And you have won a James Beard Award. I, I, yes. what'd you yeah. say? Yeah. Sorry.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> James Beard Award. Yeah, no. no. Say it as many times as you can. The Beard Awards. (laughs) Yeah, um, no. I'm I'm very proud of that, and of course, that's um, it's recognition by one's peers, and so I think that that's one of. And I mean, I've, I've won other awards. I've been nominated for other awards, but. But that was um, that was a life changer, right? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I realized that, like, in my obituary, eventually, hopefully, a long, long time from now, <laughs> it's gonna off. no, not yet. It's gonna say Virginia comma, you know. I was blah, gonna blah, say blah. It's,
1: it's like getting a like a doctorate or an advanced yeah. degree. You always get to have that
2: yeah. associated yeah. with their name. Yeah. So no, so I'm I'm <laughs> obviously really really proud of
0: that. I feel like uh, Virginia will also like call the editor and make sure that they have that even <laughs> you from beyond. It straightened like down. make sure that y'all had I read it and it wasn't exactly right. Yeah. Like, <laughs>
1: no, no, no. No, and so, how many cookbooks do you have, or books have you published?
2: Uh, so I have three y'all books: so "Bon Appetit okay. Y'all," "Basic to Brilliant Y'all," and then "Lighten Up Y'all." Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote a little book about okra. Mm-hmm. Okra, the green vegetable, not the media mogul. Yes, and people always think I'm. <laughs> <laughs> so you're like, did you get to meet her? I'm like. And then I realized what we were talking about. No, unfortunately, no book about Oprah yet. I thought you were uh, going to
0: correct people who say okra because we uh, do know uh, people yeah, who yeah, have yeah, said Oprah yeah, 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 before. No, no, right? no. Okay. Uh, so I wrote a
2: little bit about a little bit about okra for UNC Press, um, and one of their Savor the South series, that beautiful mm-hmm. series that they do, and then a book about grits mm-hmm. for Short Stack Edition. So yep. that. Um, those are my primary books, yeah. Those I think, think I have all of those. I yeah. know you've yes. got Bankra you. on your Thank desk. You. Thank you. Right. Thank yes. you. Yes. Yeah. 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 And they're
0: excellent and they're all very well. I, I'm a, I look at everything from the design and the photography and everything there, but the stories are there too, so I think that was one of the things that made me really, it really helped me to get into your book was the story aspect and that's what works.
2: Well it's kind of interesting because I'm a cook that became a writer you know, I mean, I worked in kitchens, and a lot of people don't realize I've worked in restaurant kitchens. But I have. I worked in restaurants when I was putting myself through culinary school. I worked in uh, restaurants when I was in college. Um, worked in restaurants in France, uh, you know, Michelin starred restaurants in France. And so, um, I. But at, at, at the same time, starting off with Natalie, I kind of realized that. I mean, there's that. There's so many jobs in the culinary field. Yes other than working a line at a restaurant or being an executive chef. So, from the beginning, it was more about the media aspect of it, you know, the cookbooks and magazines and TV shows and things like that. Um, But eventually what happened was that, uh, you know, I was writing recipes and testing recipes for other people, Um, and when I was with Martha Stewart, I was like, I wanna write a book, and so it just, you know I really that's where bon appetit y'all came from is just that and wanting to share those stories about growing up in the south
0: yeah i mean so how do you even decide when you say i'm going to write a book you know it's you're saying it from a writer perspective mm-hmm. as well so did you look at other people's writing and kind of like folks that you think or did you just come from within and say I'm just gonna lay out my story how'd you get to the point to where you could put your story out in the uh, cookbook?
2: So Bon Appetit offers is three recipes and stories from three generations so I wanted to tell my story about growing up in Louisiana and Georgia talk about my mama's food and my grandmother's food and that was ver- my books are hugely personal yeah. Mm-hmm. They're really personal, and I don't know any other way to do it. You know, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and I'm not being disparaging at all. But you know, like now, especially with restaurant chefs, you know, they have a team of writers, a team of this, a team of that. If it's in my book, I tested it. Mm-hmm. If it's in my book, I tested it again. Wow. <laughs> if it's in my book, if it's not in my book, it's because I didn't like it. Okay. Right? You know what I mean? And so, and I did the food styling, and it's just it's a sort of a it's like an extension, it's, it's what I do. Yeah. So, um, so, it also is sort of an organic process, right? Like, so Bon Appetit, y'all, was very personal, me, me growing up, basic to brilliant, was, oh, you know what, I, I went to French culinary school, let's show off some of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that didn't do so <laughs> well. <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> Stick to Okra, Virginia, um, and then lighten up, y'all. Was a was a was a result of two things. Part of it was a personal reason. I'd gotten off track with my health, and and. Um, and also, I got tired of people telling me that Southern food was unhealthy. Right. I love that book. That's I think that's my favorite yeah, book. Yeah, I mean, it
1: was... It, it does, you know, we, we talk about that sort of myth all yeah. the time, right? Yeah, of course, if you eat fried chicken every single day of your life. Like, yeah, and
2: and I've never macaroni. had bacon-wrapped, deep-fat-fried macaroni and cheese in my <laughs> <Right>. life. <Yeah. laughs> I mean, what is that? That is not real food. That's right. like someone made that up in a TV studio. It's state <laughs> fair food. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, so, you know... And that was an evolution. And okra, as an aside, okra and uh, grits were like sort of pet pet projects. Okay. Um, But this book, Secrets of the Southern Table, it's once again, it's like just digging a little bit deeper Part of it is that that perception that people have about Southern food, and then the stories about the people, it's the perception that people have about Southerners. Mm -hmm. Uh, Ah. And this book is a little bit different.
1: Can you kind of give the 30-second
2: pitch of this book? Yeah, so I have recipes all tested that I did as well, of course, Um, but each chapter has two stories about a farmer, an artisan, a maker, um, that sort of fleshes it out, and it was very intentional to choose different races ages and genders very nice cool. mm-hmm. Very nice.
0: and um, what are some of the things that you think people are going to discover from making that type of decision and bear and being very deliberate in doing it what do you think is going to show folks when they read
2: well I think that you know when we when we sit at the table together is when people it, it's a it's to have this dialogue yes um, it's when people from different cultures can come together, and we often come together, at the t- you know, we can come together at the table. So if someone may not know, say, um, an a, a, a African-American or Spanish-American, Hispanic-American, but if they read that story and they read about Laura Ramirez, or if they read that story and they read about Matthew Rayford, or they read about these different people and kind of get what, where they are, mm-hmm. um, and eat their food, I just, I'm hoping that People just get to know one another, and people be nicer to each other. Yeah. I, mean, I know that yeah. sounds so Pollyanna, but I, I wanted to show the diversity of the South.
0: True. Well, I don't want this to sound racist, but some of my best friends are African Americans. So <laughs> I, I mean, that's just. Well, no, <laughs> you know,
2: it's, it, race is a big thing in Southern food. Race is a yeah. big thing in um, in the South, and you know, I write about it in the in the introduction that there's there's not clear lines of ownership. I mean, we mm-hmm. have a tremendous amount. Of, of what's in Southern food that uh, was uh, brought from Africa, there's a tremendous influence, of course, from the from the enslaved Africans that farm the food, and then for many years, the enslaved Africans that cook the food. Mm-hmm. We can't get away from that, and if you try, in my opinion, you're doing a disservice to everyone. Agree. Um, yeah. But now, uh, you know, there's there. Who's cooking the food now? It's Mexican Americans, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's like. So there's it, it's not a hugely political book. It's not that, but what I, I just want people to get to know other people. I think that's no. really important.
1: Um, I was at a seminar, and one of the things that stuck with me it was just this really amazing woman speaking, and she said. One thing that I encourage you all to do is sit down and have a coffee or have a meal with somebody who doesn't look like you. Yep. Whether that is age, race, gender, whatever. And they just, you know, one of the things we try to do at Southern Kitchen is talk about all of the people in the South and really try to represent what it really is because there's a lot of cliches.
2: No, for sure. I mean, I travel a lot for my work and also I live part-time in Massachusetts. And, you know, so I get a lot of, well, I love Southern food, but it's so unhealthy. So there's Mm -hmm. that. And then also, um, you know, they just, the, the South, I think, is misunderstood.
0: Yeah. I would agree. And um, I think that it does take folks who are making these types of attempts to bring folks together over the fact that there is food on the table and everyone can agree on that right. usually. Or even if they can't, it does forward or foster a conversation. Oh,
2: no, yeah, for sure. Absolutely.
0: Well, we just want to take a very quick moment to remind you of our sponsor, which is Kohler. At Kohler you will discover reimagined, innovative finds like the new farmstead enameled cast iron freestanding kitchen sink. It can be installed wall mount with legs or top mount with custom cabinetry, giving it the look of a unique hand constructed piece of furniture. So Virginia, we wanted to kind of go into the part of cookbooks with you Uh that I think sometimes, and Kate you know a little bit about Mm -hmm. this as well, recipe development and you know a lot of people who I mean in my family or just around period you hear folks say they'd love to write a cookbook mm-hmm. or they like these cookbooks to like these others but you were talking about recipe testing and how mm-hmm. important that is mm-hmm. so let's kind of talk about how you go about putting recipes together uh-huh. into a book and that whole process if you can help us out. Meanwhile that.
1: I'm going to flip through and look for the specific recipe Sorghum that I want you chicken. to talk about. Okay, okay. <laughs>
2: so I keep a notebook in the kitchen and if I'm sort of just playing around and making supper then I'll write I'll take some notes okay. or like when with my work with Kate for example with Cooking for Virginia like we have we've predetermined what things are going to be about. We just wrote this piece about Vidalia onions mm-hmm. yes. we together because it's Vidalia onion season. Time. So when there's editorial direction there's one thing but if it's just me sort of of creating and come in with things that will eventually be in a book or on my blog or whatever, um, I, I keep a notebook. And if I'm doing something that I like, I'll take a note. And then, of course, I use my iPhone for, like, everything. Okay. Right. Mike doesn't do that because he doesn't have <laughs> any
0: money. I have a hundred dollar limit on that kind of thing. I buy a fifty dollar bag of gummy bears, but I won't spend more than $100 on fun. A hundred dollars on phone.
2: hundred? You don't even have a tenth of an iPhone. I, I mean, bears, you wouldn't you even would have, have like yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, 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 we I, love him because he's quirky. Yeah, yeah. Um, wow. Okay, so I use my phone, and what I'll do is like I'll take a picture of it, and then I'll use the There's this d- tool on those phones <laughs> oh, where you oh, can like, smart. make notes. They're smartphones. They're smart phones, or, like the internet's there and everything. Oh. And, (laughs) Um, So I'll just kind of keep notes. And then then when I'm planning a cookbook, for example, the idea of the overall book gels. And then what I try to do is, like, decide, um, frankly, that there needs to be a certain number of dishes that cover the seasons, right? Mm -hmm. So I need to have spring produce and vegetables, summer, fall, winter. So I look at it. Because it, what good is it gonna, if you buy this book and like, wow, all these vegetables are, it's, this is all for summer, right? Because mm-hmm. right? I want to encourage people to cook seasonally. right okay It tastes better and it's most often less expensive. Yep, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, my recipes, I, I try really hard to, to create recipes that people are gonna wanna do. Mm-hmm. You know, I can chef it up and put food on with tweezers and stuff like that, <laughs> but you know, uh, and I do sometimes when I do you know fancy dinners, sure. right? Okay. But when you get home from, when someone gets home from work and they've been at work all day and they've got a kid or they've got to take to soccer practice or whatever. You know, um, I want to, I try to create recipes that people will do that have accessible ingredients and um, not too crazy of a technique. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or not too crazy, um, you know, not anything too involved. And I just try to encourage people that to understand that, you know, uh, you don't have to open a can or open a box. A lot of times, those aren't actually really any faster, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're packed with this, that, and the other things you can't pronounce. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, just like using good ingredients and doing as little to them as possible, not to mess them up. Absolutely. That's kind of yeah. my philosophy with yeah. food. Very,
0: Very cool. cool. Yeah. By the way, we just want to remind everybody that uh, you can use the code. MOM20, that's mom M two zero. it's a promo code. It'll get you 20% off uh, site-wide at Southern Kitchen and that includes pre-ordering uh, Virginia Willis' book Secrets of, of the, the Southern, Southern, Southern Tables. Tables. So mm-hmm. go ahead and pick up your pre-ordered copy right now and it'll make its way to your home address.
1: May 1st is when mm-hmm. the book officially launches, so mm-hmm. just a couple of days. Yes, yeah. exactly, and
0: it's exactly. pre-order side. Mother's Day's coming. That's right. All right, so um, go ahead Kate. I was
3: gonna say the, the the notebook in the kitchen thing is something that I discovered like way too late. Because, I mean, my background is in recipe development. Right. And I spent a lot of time doing that in an office and in an office kitchen. And we come home and, like, just throw something together and not really pay attention mm-hmm. to what I'm doing. Mm-hmm. And so, like, had a very strong identity about the co- food I was cooking at work, but not really right. at home. And it took a long time to, like, get back to cooking for myself and, like, playing around and doing stuff that was fun. And now I keep a notebook in my kitchen, too, and write. And it has to be, for me, it has to be, like, a piece of paper. Like, it has my phone it doesn't it doesn't right. take yeah. no, it it's something I lose track of things on my no, phone no, a little sure, bit more. No, sure. sometimes it, the pictures help but like having a writ, handwritten thing it's usually in scribble scribble and nobody else can read it but like it's there it's yeah. written down somewhere and I can remember it and go back to it again another time
2: and i think that's a good idea for people like even just like lay lay persons right mm-hmm. you know um, i mean there's some people are religious about following a recipe um, some people are not right mm-hmm. But if you if, if you're, have a little bit more freedom in the mm-hmm. kitchen, like we're professionals, right? But if someone's not a professional and they do something, if they can just write it down, mm-hmm. then it, it's, it, that's how yep. recipes start. Yeah, like remembering how you make a
3: tomato sauce for your pasta or something, right. like a salad even, like letting right. you know what you put in it and if you really like
2: it, come back and do it again. Right, right, it's just mm-hmm. the documentation, sure. Yeah.
0: But when you're getting those recipes, kind of even started, so you're taking notes and you're mm-hmm. kind of doing a little bit of trial and error, um, of course. So, well, how does yeah,
2: that work? Well, I so my um, my background in recipe uh, development is that the recipe has to be completely written first before it's actually tested. Okay. So, if like for example, with the onions, what I do is I write it up, um, sort of have a decision like what it's going to be and then I test it and then make adjustments in it. And I find that that creates a more reliable recipe. Mm-hmm. You know, writing what you're doing as you're doing it, typing it up afterwards and taking a photograph of it, <laughs> <laughs> that's actually not recipe testing. It's a lot okay. of work. No, <laughs> You know what I mean? Okay. It's not. No, it know. it doesn't sound like it. it. It's not. It's like, <laughs> it's like you have to really, so I like write down two onions, da da da-da-da, you know, each thing. And then when I go to make it and I've finished it, it's like, wow, you know what? This needs one more of this or one more of that. Um, it's just a, a its a pretty strict way of recipe testing, and um, there are a lot of folks that write cookbooks that sort of crowdsource recipe mm-hmm. testing, mm-hmm. which I'm not opposed to, yeah. uh, but I always want to be part of that crowd. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. You know? So recipes, I think, you know, there's a ton of them, and there's right. a ton of cookbooks and a ton of cookbook writers how does the inception of a recipe start so I'm looking at this Nashville hot grilled chicken Uh as I was flipping through the book this stood out to me because obviously Nashville hot chicken is super popular and everybody's got a recipe we've got a recipe you've got a recipe but I actually and it could just be me not exploring the internet enough but um, I haven't seen a grilled version so can
2: you talk about yeah thank you for noticing that so Nashville hot grilled chicken is super popular, but how many? A lot of people don't fry chicken, right? Right, yeah. right. In the home, I don't fry chicken often in the home. And once you know, I'm in, I'm a professional and can do it and love it. There's two reasons I don't do it. it it's time consuming. It's messy, um, and we can't eat fried chicken every day. <laughs> you yeah. <laughs> know, <laughs> <And laughs> until like the Let universe. The devil in the your t- house yeah, and I mean this, right? you <laughs> can't do that. So, um, and, and part of that came from a practical application. And then also, just making that little bit of a twist for something that I thought that people would actually do, mm-hmm. right, they would actually do it in their home. A grilling and I, chicken is pretty low, yeah, low barrier to yeah, entry, most yeah. people and have the, done it. Yeah, and then the other piece of it was, is just going back to what I just keep trying to share, is that all Southern food doesn't have to be unhealthy. Right. right? right. So chicken breast, now, that isn't low calorie by any stretch of the imagination because there is a the hot oil on mm-hmm. it but it's it's i feel like it's it's doable and it is delicious yeah and it, yeah and it's it's
1: easy mm-hmm. right you could yeah. h- i mean how long would a recipe like this take i'm trying to quickly scan like call it under an hour Und- right? under an hour so, for sure yeah so most it, of
2: my recipes are yeah. about uh, 30 45 minutes so weeknight easy yeah yeah for sure especially in the summer
0: that's something you also have to take into consideration when you're putting recipes together i would assume mm-hmm. also is as you were saying, there's the time aspect of getting home and wanting to cook, keeping them while you got mm-hmm. them, I guess. But is there a sweet spot for the time that it takes for someone in your book specifically that should kind of be looked I, at, or what do you? Um, what do I you don't use? have a
2: hard number, you know, because some things, obviously, like a casserole, might take 45 minutes or 60 minutes. You know, obviously, some roasts are going to take 45 to 60 minutes. Um, I, I'm not all about quick, but I just try to be respectful of people's time, mm-hmm. and like what people are going to do. And there is also reality. Like I'm working on a project now um, from a meal kit line, and they want some 20 minute recipes. <laughs> mm. It 20, can be done. <laughs> 20 minutes, and so. But you,
3: you know what? What you have to assume a lot about prep time. Yeah. When you're talking about that's like, not. what? King's I am. I'm just actually went, curious huh? about what their guidelines are. Yeah. About. You know, it's like, do you actually actually estimate how long it's going to take the average home cook to chop up an onion and a carrot and if it's celery and right? You know, well, like, that's my right? Yeah, it's like it. Depend, you know, depending on their skill level, it could take 20 minutes to do all the prep work.
2: <laughs> or know distraction in a way. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No. 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 So I was like, 20 minutes, because what I can do in 20 minutes, and what I mean, I, I chop onions for a living. Right. You know what I mean? I, I take I, a really long time. To, I'm bad so, at chopping onions. So, so. Um, so that's pretty significant. But you know, um, every just because it's quick doesn't mean it's good. Right. And mm-hmm. Just because it's quick, um, you know. It's not always about being quick, right? You want to have something that's going to be satisfying and that you want to feed your family, that you want to eat, that you want, you know, all of those things. So It's approachable, I it's think, a, which yeah, is, use yeah. that and we use that term a
1: lot here mm-hmm. when we're talking about our recipe right. testing and development, too, is let's make cooking and food approachable because we all have to eat. Exactly. So let's enjoy it exactly. and not make it crazy.
2: No, and like the, the onion dip that we did mm-hmm. last week, for example, Um. Uh, so it's baked caramelized Valdelia onions. Now, the the one that I talk about in the piece um, is, is like, uh, two cups of onion, three cups of cheese, and a cup of mayonnaise. Uh-huh. It's a fat bomb. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's a delicious fat bomb yeah. that everybody loves. Right. But it is a fat bomb, there's no <laughs> doubt about it. And that takes about, I think it's the re- typical recipes take about 20 minutes, 25 right. minutes. Mm-hmm. So I sort of flipped it because um, the onions in, in my dip, which still has cheese and still has a, a lot of great flavor, but it, it is not a fat bomb, um, it takes about 20 minutes in the pan but then it's just popped under the broiler for just a few minutes, so yeah. the time is spent, and there's a little bit more attention to it, mm-hmm. but it's it sort of evens out yeah. time-wise. It also looks amazing. If you haven't seen yeah. that recipe on SouthernKitchen.com,
1: I just was looking at it yesterday and drooling a It's little like bit. French, it tastes like
2: French onion <laughs> soup. It tastes like, you know, the French onion the French yeah. soup, so there's nothing straight. wrong with that. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Can you talk about what you have in front of us yes, right now? Yes,
2: so this is, um, this is a butter, feta buttermilk, um, dip and you, and you encourage mm-hmm. all to taste it if you'd like say so, um, in the book and secrets of the southern table I have it but I uh, I serve it with roast beets and arugula like a salad but you could easily like sort of separate that out mm-hmm. and this is actually inspired by um, the Miller Miller Union feta snack of mm. uh, Steven Satterfield's mm-hmm. recipe and he uses decimal place farms a local goat farm here um, and so that would be an example of like recipe development right mm-hmm. so um, I've had that so many times at Miller Union. Love that dish, I love like the fresh vegetables and stuff with it. Um, but for the cookbook, I sort of did my version of the dip and then made it into a salad, but then today we're just serving it with mm-hmm. yep. Um so, uh, so it consists of feta and a really delicious buttermilk, um, garlic, mint, which mm-hmm. I think is is interesting because mint people usually think about for dessert.
0: Mm-hmm. It sweetens it up. Like uh, mm-hmm.
2: And then um, and then heartily seasons with salt and pepper. That's the that's the part that I think is the, the kicker because you the pepper especially because it offsets the saltiness of the yeah. Feta.
1: I like the heartily. That's, heartily. I don't like know yeah. about heartily. I think I think it confuses people who are not super well versed in the kitchen when people say things like salt and pepper to taste. They're mm-hmm. like, I don't know, but right. you know, right. I think seasoning is really yeah important and I appreciate the
2: heartily no for sure and then I'll um, go go for it <laughs> there Your is in the in the cookbook I use um, olive oil just a little bit of olive oil in there and then today I brought I brought this it's a green peanut oil and if y'all have seen it or not mm-hmm. but it's a it's a wonderful one of our wonderful southern products that we have. We
1: actually sell um, Oliver Farms oil oh, on SouthernKitchen.com yep. oh, mm-hmm. too. We sell a Seriously, variety that, pack. That's
2: awesome. uh, Remember,
0: twenty percent off with M O M twenty. Mom twenty is the promo code. Uh-huh. Site wide sale. Get those peanut oil bottles for mom. She will be appreciative. <laughs> they <laughs> also have
3: a really amazing uh, pecan oil. Uh huh. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. Uh, the sunflower
2: oil. All, all of it. The seed too, fun. right? The yeah. 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 No, it's mm-hmm. all it's all delicious. So olive oil or something like that would be wonderful, but um, when you're able to find those little Georgia gems, you know, I think it's a good thing to do.
0: Get those. Well, speaking of gems, I actually don't have a way to segue that, but I thought maybe (laughs) I could try it. But, by the way, are you signed up for our email list is the question, because if not, you should hit pause right now and head over to southernkitchen.com and sign up. You will get delicious, tried and true recipes sent directly to your inbox, plus many special offers on products in the shop. And tried and true is something that uh, Virginia Mm -hmm. Willis. We're just talking about this with recipe development. So um, you just mentioned that you just mentioned our friend Stephen Satterfield from Mm -hmm. here in Miller Union, another James Beard winner. Mm -hmm. Is that correct? Mm So very cool guy. Uh, But. Let's talk about going and to places like that around the South, and just in your journeys and experiences from restaurants to farms to everything. Mm-hmm. Tell us a little bit about yeah, that. Yeah, and, and
1: I know that a big part of this book was you traveling for eight mm-hmm. months right. to get the stories for this book, so we'd love for you to talk about that.
2: So, um, much in the way, that, so the stories were chosen um, looking at different artisans and harvesters and farmers throughout the South and I wanted to make sure to include a variety of people. Um, And so started off with uh, Will Harris from White Oak Pastures, of course. Um, I love Will, I love his family. And the other story is Matthew Rayford um, from Gilliard Farms down in Brunswick. So we started there and I started there very intentionally because I wanted to start with um, those two farms. White Oak Pastures was founded as you all probably know, um, when Will's ancestor came home from for fighting for the Confederacy. Mm-hmm. And Matthew's family farm was founded when his ancestors emancipated from slavery. So I just thought that was like, editorially, contextually, content-wise, so cool. mm-hmm. I just, I felt like that was the where the heart of the book needed to start. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I also wanted to, in this book, to, to share the different, you know, all the different people And it's not enough to like just find a person, right? There has to be a story. It's like it's not enough to um, like, oh, I need a fruit farmer or a female Mm -hmm. fruit farmer. Mm -hmm. It's like, well, what what about that, right? You know, you do the with your stories in Southern Kitchen. We have to find a story. So, for example. Diane Flint is, um, is, my sto- is my female fruit farmer. <laughs> um, but I sort of, I, had, I mapped it out. I really, you know, it's not, it's very, it's very thought through and it was very thought through and planned mm-hmm. to, to be able to showcase different ethnicities, uh, a mixture of, of female and male, of course, and then also a variety of ages. Mm-hmm. Like there's a story about the folks at Mini Fold Farm and you know, they're 20 something year old farmers the average age of a farmer is fifty-eight, and it's usually a white, a white guy, right? Mm-hmm. So it's like not to discount those men. Will Harris is a fifty-year-old, year-old white guy. <laughs> I love Will Harris. You, I love that. But just to sort of like, well, you're going to expect this, so let's look at that, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing. Um, and it, there's just so many, there's so many great characters and so many great um, stories in the South. Um, and you know, just trying to explain to people what the South is, I think that. The folks outside of the South don't always understand it. They just don't get it. Yep. It's, food is a huge part of our culture. Um, we're an agricultural-based society. You know, mm-hmm. there's just a, there's a lot there. Absolutely.
1: What is your favorite story from uh,
2: the book? Um, I teed up that I was gonna ask you. you oh, <laughs> man, you didn't tell me that one. Um, I have to say that, answer your question, not answer your question, there were snippets from every story that really, like, went straight to my heart, mm-hmm. yeah. went straight to the, the like the core of my being. You know, Matthew, for example, he was like the chef of the House of Representatives. I mean, that's that's high cotton, mm-hmm. right? And he moved back to Brunswick, Georgia, to be a farmer and to open some restaurants. And, um, you know, it, it can be challenging being in South Georgia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. South Georgia can be challenging. So I remember walking with him in the... Um, on his property and it was so beautiful and the photographs that Angie took I think are just so evocative but this Spanish moss and all this and you know he was telling me this story about when he um, when he was young if anybody walked on the road the man that owned the property would charge them a tax
0: wow yeah Okay. <laughs> uh,
2: and so that, that wasn't a legal tax right. right Right. and so Matthew learned to walk in the woods um, and so, and I just kinda got, I was, I was paralyzed almost with the emotion that was coming out of him and me mm-hmm. about what it was like to grow up as a, a black kid in Brunswick, Georgia, and I just was like, I literally remember stopping and being like, why'd well, you come back? Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right, I mean, they, it's so powerful. Yeah. And what he's doing is why he came back. He's got this amazing farm. He's doing amazing food. When I was in his cafe, I'm not kidding you all. When I was in his cafe, there was a, this beautiful older matriarchal lady with pearls. There was um, a woman, a, a female rabbi from Brooklyn with her little girl that had moved there. There was, it was like this, this, the UN. The UN was in that. You know what I mean? It was a little bit of everybody. Yeah. And that made me feel so good. It made me feel so good for Matthew and the work that he and Jovon are doing. It made me feel good for Brunswick, Georgia, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. and it made me feel good for the South in general. It's hopeful. It's very hopeful. Yeah. So, so that was a really powerful story um, and, you know, there's, just, there's, there's a lot of good people doing a lot of really great food, um, the sorghum farm in Tennessee, mm-hmm. you know, and, and just getting to see some of those um, things was really amazing. One thing I really appreciated too is that you talked to
3: farmers that were not necessarily small farms doing right. like all organic, like kind of the, um, the people you would expect to see at a small
2: farmers market.
3: There, right, are, right, right. there are other people making food in the South, and I appreciated that that was also in there. It wasn't like, oh, we just don't. You don't need to talk to them or whatever. No, you know? there
2: is a sense of, I think, elitism, mm-hmm. right? I mean, mm-hmm. you got to have some money to pay eight ninety nine a, do- a pound for heirloom tomatoes. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a, there's a, um, so I do have Glenn Roberts with Anson Mills, mm-hmm. but there's also a story about a commodity rice farm in the Richard Family Rice Farm in Louisiana. Um, uh, small boutique farms can't feed the nation. Mm-hmm. Right? right. Let's be real, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. But there's a place, so there. Not but and there's a place for both, right. right? So yes, I love artisan oil, and yet we also have to recognize that that um, you know this is a, a precious product, mm-hmm. right? And that not everyone can afford it, um, and so it's just nice to look at those other stories, mm-hmm. good. And so thank you for recognizing that.
0: Mm-hmm. And it also does seem um, when we were talking uh, not very long ago uh, over at uh, talking to Holly shoot mm-hmm. and in the at Georgia ground Holly shoot yeah, Holly shoot <laughs> she's uh, she's awesome she made a biscuit <laughs> you, know, you would have like I I'm sure you've had Holly shoot I love Holly <laughs> <'cause, like>, shoot <laughs> Holly shoot's yeah. awesome but Holly was talking about to your point going around the South, and especially Georgia, which is what she's focused in on. Georgia brand. But those kind of products, and they need their stories to be told. Right. Mm -hmm. So, who's coming down there, and who's getting on the road to actually discover these places, and maybe not discover in the sense of, you are pioneering this brand, but Mm -hmm. how does the story get out there? Because there's not always just the, I'm putting a seed in the ground and watching it grow, but then how am I displaying this for the world to know about, and how does the word spread? So, I'm sure that for you, there's always a feeling that how do I kind of incorporate folks and mm-hmm. you meet so many people on the road but it's just how do you how does it come down to who's doing things and how you help and how you not necessarily kind of get out of the way or what how does that work
2: well you know part of it is and I keep mentioning will he's definitely on my mind um, a business has to be sustainable and in, in many levels it doesn't matter if you're farming and grazing carrots or whatever you're producing um, if the business end of it isn't sustainable, then it doesn't matter how delicious those tomatoes are. Right. Right? So part of it is there's some there's some folks doing really good work. Clammer Dave is in a story. He's in South Carolina. He's um, growing, uh, raising clams off the coast of Charleston. Mm. Um, they're delicious. Um, there's a eco- ecological implications there. Their clams are uh, f- uh, feeder filters, um, filter feeders rather. Um, and that is a sustainable seafood choice, which I'm really big into sustainable seafood and mm-hmm. like to promote. Um, but if he doesn't, if he can't sell his clams and no one knows about his clams, then that business isn't going to be sustainable, right? Right. So part of it is um, the, the shining a light on people, like, hey, look at this, and, or hey, taste this. Um, and, you know, the, conversely, the commodity rice family, the Richard mm-hmm. family, um, Hey, look at them too. Mm-hmm. right? They've been farming rice for five generations right That's mm-hmm. significant mm-hmm. and that's a that's a big part of the South and what rice means in the south and um, you know it, it, it just it has it has further implications in your plate.
0: Well, let's also talk about when these folks do become successful and they find their way into some great southern restaurants. Mm-hmm. Where have you eaten around the South that you thought, oh my goodness. People need to be coming in here, and you know, ex- and experiencing what you read. Because I'm always interested in what the chefs and the folks who are on the ground, right. where they go, what do they eat, what do they like.
2: Well, I love to. I mean, I I love to travel, and I lo- I am fortunate in that I get to travel different places. I always just try to figure out where the locals go, and mm-hmm. I don't care if I'm in Mobile, Alabama, or Rome, Italy. Right? Okay. I just want to figure out where the locals go. Okay and what they're eating.
0: thought you were going to say Rome, Georgia. (laughs) Georgia. Uh, That would have been been smarter. (laughs) Um,
2: Well, that's a sadness, right? I mean, that is one thing that we recognize. Like, it doesn't matter what exit you're at. If you're in Alabama or Georgia or North Carolina, a lot of those interstate exits look alike. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, But I have hope. There are small mom-and-pop restaurants that have thrived and are still alive. There are chefs and cooks um, you know, like uh, Cody and Gian Lee with Heirloom Barbecue. You know, they're both mm-hmm. trained white tablecloth, fancy chefs mm-hmm. that opened a barbecue restaurant that is killing it. Damn it's good is. barbecue. It's yeah, killing it, it's it so right? <laughs> yep. So, they're, you know, it's just like um, open your eyes, look around, kind of see what's going on. Yeah. Um, there's some good people doing good food. It kind of feels like, too, we've talked about this with some of our southern cities that a
1: lot of smaller places around the south outside of the big cities right. are, are really flourishing with their culinary scene too. It's,
2: it's, it's expensive to open a restaurant, right? right? And with the economy the past couple of years, a lot of people are, are going for more smaller outlets, which is a more sustainable business practice, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: That's right. Mm-hmm. And you're definitely seeing it. Um, let's talk about Kohler again, just to make sure everyone knows that at Kohler, you will find the super stylish Monte Carlo round bar sink by Callista, which features reflective, hand-hammered finish accents and copper construction for reliability and durability. Kohler, we gotta love it. Now, um, we want to also ask you, segueing from that last bit about mm-hmm. eating around the south. What do you think is right now, you know, like in the kitchenary sense, what's hot? And, you know, what do you think is coming next? As you're putting these books together, I'm sure this isn't going to be the last book that we see from no. Virginia Willis. So, God um, willing, yeah. That's right. <laughs> but I'm sure you'll edit the obituary. You know, <laughs> so, but, yeah, oh, my she'll be back, folks. <laughs> but what do you see kind of like in these travels? And we talked about, you know, getting the stories that are out there now. But what's developing and what's, what's out there right now?
2: Well, I think that if we look right now, like the cookbooks that have come out that I'm so excited about, uh, Todd Richards' book, Soul. Yes. That's awesome. Eddie Hernandez's book, uh, t- 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 sorry, green, t- 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 <laughs> yep. Tacos and Turn greens. Yep. Yep, um, That's an awesome book. And the, the, the thing that I think is so exciting about that, so my book, my book is about a diversity of people, a diversity of recipes, you know, um, and I, and what excites me is that, so here we have Todd, with his take on southern food, and then we have Eddie with his take on southern food. So really, we're all kind of saying the same thing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Southern food just isn't like chicken and biscuits. Now I love a chicken and biscuit, right? But there's more to it than that, you know. Todd's background—he is a fine dining chef, mm-hmm. right? Right? Um, and and Eddie—he's like created this like awesome mashup of what southern food is, and and. Um, And so I think that what's next in terms of Southern food is realizing that Southern food is a living, breathing, growing, changing thing that that we can have our historical traditional recipes. Which people love. Which people love. But you know, we we have the internet. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And we have excessive you know, like here in Atlanta, Buford Highway. Oh yes. You know, we have there's a recipe in the book for an Asian Cajun shrimp, and I saw Lagayo like, last night on Instagram. There's an Asian Cajun crawfish place here in Atlanta. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think that what's next is like celebrating some of those different cultures that are in the South. Mm-hmm. And
1: I think you know we talk about the classics and and mashups and spins. You know, one of the things that I love about the work that you do and that we try to do here is is taking some of those classi- those classics mm-hmm. and figuring out how to. Mash them up and make them different, like your grilled gumbo, for example. Mm -hmm. Totally different spin on gumbo, which is a you know classic Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Creole New Orleans
2: food. Mm -hmm. Thank you, I love that recipe. Yeah, Yeah. I mean it's just um, we have such great ingredients in the South, and there are a lot. There are just so many different. ways to look at it you know there's other ways to do okra we don't always have to I love fried okra we don't always have to fry okra right Mm -hmm. we can grill it or like what's on the cover it's like an Indian inspired um, dipping sauce that goes with it. Um, you love okra more I I think anyone. Alright, look at this. You know? Oh, the life. okra's yes.
0: on the necklace. Uh-huh. Yeah. I love the okra. And, and even yes. when you cut it that long sideways, mm-hmm. it's just like so pretty. So it just seems like a design that can like, kind of, you could fall into that rabbit hole yeah. and start being inspired.
2: No, no, Do no, you no. have I, a dried okra around your house? Of course, yeah. I'm, <laughs> a, I'm a little, I am a little probably okra for that. <laughs> now that I think about it, but you know, it, you know it's, not, it's, it's one of those vegetables mm. that people. Love or hate, I'm mm-hmm. clearly we all know yeah. what side I'm on. But I always call myself like an okra apostle. I'm just trying to get people to try it grilled, try it some other yeah, way. Step outside of the step fried okra, fried. So, or, um, okra's kind
0: of next. Then you, you're feeling like there's going to be an op- uh, okra renaissance. Not <laughs> okra. Yeah. We almost, almost yeah, did it. There you
2: did. <laughs> okra renaissance. Yeah. Do
0: you think it's? A, do you think people are going to do way more? Obviously, you've know. written stuff. You yeah, did.
2: no,
3: I, I think so. Yeah, I think okay. so. I hope so. Okay. What? opening up a lot of eyes to okra. It's I have a lot of family members that that hated okra and they go there and they eat that okra and they're like, Oh this is delicious. I'm like, I told you. No, I know. See
2: it's a it's mm-hmm. what's cool I think and what I think uh, executed in this book is looking at southern ingredients in someone else's skillet. Uh. Right? Like, yeah. you know, um, I spoke with Besh and he was like oh Besh um, at in from Mississippi and um he uh Vish sorry and um he um you know it's a very indian vegetable yeah. right and okra grows where it's hot right it's hot in india yes you know hot in and the south uh, and it's hot in the <laughs> south and and uh you know it's it's a they use it a lot in brazil and stuff so you know it's just like looking at what we consider to be this like very distinctly southern thing in another skillet i love that
1: what is there a particular you know i feel like everything's kind of had its moment right nashville is mm-hmm. I think we're like kind of seeing the tail end of like once uh-huh. like McDonald's or whoever it was or KFC, fast, KFC yeah, jumped yeah, once a fast food chicken. kind right. of jumps on the back and you're like all right that's out. What's like what dish or particular ingredient or vegetable or like what's what's trending right now that's do you think? Question, yeah.
2: Hmm. Well I think I actually had planning a menu for an event that I'm doing in New York and I wanted to do shrimp and grits and I was like do I yeah. want to do shrimp mm-hmm. and grits? You know, because then, then, I sort of Googled it a little bit. Because shrimp and grits, I think that like literally, Crystal had shrimp and grits. Everybody's you got it. Yeah. That's yeah. you know. yeah. Yeah. Um, But I Googled New York City, and it's like, where to I find the you know Google about shrimp and grits in New York? And it's still.
0: They want to know about this thing. They mean, yeah, to yeah. them, to them, this is grits like, how does this even work? I think, yeah. Yeah. to yeah. people. No, and, people, yeah.
2: yeah. So I think I think that what's what's going, what's happening, and what's so exciting and what is trending or will become trending, is cool ingredients. Right, mm-hmm. like we're digging a little bit yeah. deeper on heirloom products, on you know the work that David Shields mm-hmm. does, um, you know the the Southern Kitchen, and so we're we're looking past that sort of uh, um, commodity tomato, or mm-hmm. to an heirloom tomato, or looking what what like what Glenn is doing with some of the grains and things like that. Mm-hmm. Like, they taste different. I mean, agriculture right. changed tremendously after World War 2, and so we're going back to some of those older things.
0: Wild mushrooms and yeah. things. Yeah, foraging,
2: deep diving, getting more in touch with our food, I think. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So now it's my favorite part of the show.
1: Oh, yes. Which I yes. did prepare you for.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's the bless your heart moment.
0: Yes, yes.
1: If you got, if you don't have a, I'm going to I'm going to bless my own heart okay, for a second okay. cuz I'm in a fangirl and ask you to sign my
0: pen. Oh my yes, Okay. Bless <laughs> So bless <laughs> my heart. You have the right pen. Yeah, You're ready. Don't tip on it. That's you're ready. outstanding. So you
2: can um, bless my heart.
0: Bless your heart, <laughs> Ashley Twist-Cole, for using the video and the pressure that she couldn't leave That's and had to right. sign it right here That's on right. Facebook Live and uh-huh. ask me That's awesome. <laughs> um... So what if you if you had to think of something that if it's you know lovingly lighthearted fun, but what's a bless your heart moment? <laughs> is it these New Yorkers who are just now learning what a grit is? Is it you know these folks who are thinking that Southern food can only be unhealthy? Uh, what? What is who gets a bless your heart? I think that that might
2: that might do it. Uh, th- those folks might do it because I, I literally and I talk about it in the introduction. I had someone in Kansas City ask me if I'd ever met a Jewish person before. <laughs> Not Bless. making, not making that.
1: Yeah, like, gentleman or woman's Yeah, heart.
0: yeah.
2: like, did you see driving Miss Daisy? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, did you? Were you paying attention at all?
0: A lot of people were Yeah, people weren't. Yeah. So,
2: um, so, so that that definitely the, the people that that uh, th- those folks that don't think that we are uh, literate cultured, educated south, they all get a bless they your all
1: They
0: all right. get yeah. a bless your yeah. heart. That's a good one. Bless your heart. People <laughs> think that we yeah. can't write and read and eat good food. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly right. All right, well, pick up <laughs> the book, folks. and uh, that. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to pick mine up in the minute Yeah, side. yeah, yeah. I know. Yeah, you yeah. already got your one side. side, side. side.
3: <laughs> you Yes, ma'am.
0: That will do it for us this week at Sunday Supper. We'd love to hear from you. You can always reach out to us with feedback at editor at southernkitchen.com. Also, please subscribe at Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. And please hit those like buttons to keep up with us on Facebook. Until next time, I'm Mike Jordan.
1: I'm Kate Williams. Are you? (laughs) I'm Ashley Twist-Cole.
0: And I'm Virginia Willis. That's right. And uh, I don't really have anything to close this one out except... (laughs) Y'all. Bon appetit, y'all. Remember to say bon appetit, y'all, when you're eating this (laughs) out. Thanks again, folks.
1: Thank you.